Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was called an ungrateful brat, so I acted as such. This whole thing happened a year prior, but the repercussions are still happening, and I hope they continue until the day this monster dies. This will be long, so buckle in. Background. Growing up, me and my sister had no love towards our father whatsoever. I'm not going to bore you with details, but alcoholic, abusive, violence are the few words that come to mind. When my sister got accepted into a much better but also further high school than our local she moved immediately and rarely visited we were 10 years apart so i was four at that time i grew up resenting her for leaving me to deal with his bs all by myself but now i understand better and we're on good terms my local factory was so big that it supported my whole town virtually everyone worked there so everyone knew each other my parents did too But then it's purchased by the defense ministry and they decided to cut off anyone without at least a high school degree My mother was let go and this was after she'd had me for months My father however made it into retirement and was granted military status Basically, they gave him an honorable rank so his pension would almost double But also you'd have to act accordingly because in terms of speaking you're military personnel now My childhood was an absolute nightmare. So needless to say I turned out to be an absolute mess Anger management and mental instability are notably the worst and i'm still working on them when I turned 18 I enlisted two major benefits It didn't cost money and I could never come home if I didn't want to for me It was literally a highway out of hell fast forward three years later. I got an honorable discharge Turned out I had actual mental problems who would have known I got a bulk load of money and even more in the following months when they were able to process my military insurance I came home to find my town incredibly underwhelming and my father hadn't changed a bit Now not wanting to spend the rest of my life in this hellhole I took what I could and moved to the city where my sister was living The last words dear old dad said to me were you'll never make it Because apparently being discharged for a mental illness showed that I was a coward Also, I think he didn't like that I was tougher than the boy who used to obey his every word that I once was And that I would stood up for myself more in the few weeks I've stayed with him than the entire first 18 years of my life I moved to a new environment took up a blue-collar job I was pretty beefy thanks to the military and decided to pursue a career in it all the while taking care of my mental health when it all started Sometime during this time, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. I was told it wasn't dangerous, but operations were required. My sister had actually reconciled with him, partly because of my mother, a few years prior, and would occasionally bring my niece home to visit them. She was quite successful, so she decided to pay for the whole thing. Operations, treatment, hospitals, recoveries, it was all hers. She paid for this while moving into a new house and buying her first car. Those things are pretty expensive in my country. By the way, OP is Vietnamese. My father had a huge bank account because of his pension, but he didn't have to pay a single penny. After a year or so, he's in recovery and all in all, things are good. During this time, I was struggling with working and studying, living paycheck to paycheck, and I had to rely on a social program to get treatment for my illness. I visited him after every operation, though it wasn't anything tearful. 
If he didn't poke me, I was fine. After nearly a year of staying at my sister's house, he and my mother headed home after his doctor gave him the go-ahead. At that time, I was looking for a new job because the current job was horrible and it made my mental health actually worse. And I was lucky to find one where most of my skills were transferred and I had enough time to finish my studying. One day, my mother called in tears and asked me to come home that weekend. She told me that my father had been seeing someone else. Now, I must admit that I didn't trust this man, but at that point, I thought she was being paranoid. She still is, up to this day, about everything, and I resented the thought of going home on a four-hour trip both ways just for something that's utterly unimportant. So I calmed her down and swept it under the rug. Fast forward a few months, I got another call, this time from my sister. She came to visit that week with my niece to inform us that she was three months pregnant. What was supposed to be a happy reunion, though, turned into an absolute poop show. Apparently, when my father left his phone unattended for a few minutes, his mistress sent him a very sexy picture, and my mum saw it pop up. Needless to say, all hell broke loose. My sister said that was the first in many years that she'd seen my mother scream bloody murder at my father. And when he tried to hit her, my sister threw herself in between, which prompted her husband to throw himself in between. Because, you know, she's three months pregnant. It all ended in a very teary trip back to our city after hours of hurling insults at each other. The only good thing that came out of it was my mother somehow was able to bring his phone with her. We convinced my mother to get a divorce, but she's the submissive housewife who thought divorces were worse than boiling life puppies. And I think back then she still somewhat was hoping that he'd turn around. They'd been together for almost 35 years at that point, so I figured something must have been there. She didn't want to go through the divorce, so we dropped her and decided to cut him out for good. Lo and behold, half a year after the incidents, my father's side of the family started to contact me. I have a strict no-call policy, where the only people allowed to call me outside of work hours are my mother, my sister, her husband, three of my best friends, and only recently, my boyfriend. So, to my bamboozlements, My father, his sister, and his mother all called me within a day. They suddenly acted so nice, convincing me to come and visit them. Obviously, that was all a ruse. After the incident, my father's side all blamed my mother and said she should have kept it a secret and not made a mess for the family's sake. They also disavowed me and my sister because we were ungrateful brats after we didn't accept their ultimate argument. He's your father after all. Out of morbid curiosity, I ventured back alone to see what the calls were about. Turned out they wanted to sell his house. It was on my grandmother's land. Back when he was about to undergo his first operation, we didn't know how it would turn out. So we transferred the house to my name because apparently inheriting a dead person's estate in my country is a living nightmare. As a convenience, we convinced my grandmother to give me the land as well, since she was very old, 80, at the time. This was back when we were on good terms. I knew for sure they'd rather gouge their eyes out than follow up with any of that if it happened a year later. I smelt something in the air, but I couldn't quite place what it was. I knew it was there though. So I told them nicely that I would think about it and immediately went back, faking an emergency. A plan formed when I was driving back and that's the first time I've been so pleased about anything that I actually cracked a smile. I went to my sister's immediately. My mum had been staying with her and laid out my plan. After a year of living in the city, my mum was much more open-minded and it only took a bit of convincing for her to agree with the plan. So, the plan. My sister contacted a lawyer and asked what our options were. 
Because both the house and the land were in my name, they had no claim to them, and any paper that didn't have my signature on it would be considered useless under the law. They could try and claim it was rented out, but then they'd have to move far away in hope that I'd never be able to locate them. And I knew that that would be too much trouble for a couple of old folks. They could claim it's his life achievement, but because he and my mother never divorced, it's technically half hers as well. This is when I came up with an idea. I asked the lawyer, what if my mother filed for a divorce? He said it's highly unlikely the court would reward my mother's full claim unless we could prove that he was unfaithful before the separation. To his surprise, I could. Remember the phone that my mother brought back from that day? It was smashed during the fighting, but generally was still in one piece. She'd asked me to throw it away a few days afterwards, but my lazy butt just brought it back to my place and threw it in the loft. Sufficient to say it provided us with more than enough proof of his indecency. Now guys, I just want to jump in here and say that in Vietnam, infidelity is actually a crime. It's one of the rare countries where infidelity is a crime, but it's a crime. That is the reason why proving OP's dad's indecency is such a big thing here. Let's carry on. The execution. After weighing up our options, I called to inform my father that I would come home the next month to make an announcement. He was eager to hear it. Upon my arrival, they were so nice and sweet and whatnot. But after I introduced my lawyer, it's like they flipped a switch and suddenly became vile and violent. I presented my dad with two options. One, relinquish any claim to the house. Or two, be served with a lawsuit. In my country, marital violations are six months probation minimum and up to two years in prison. There you go, guys. After a lot of screaming and name calling and feet stomping tantrums, he kicked us out. So naturally, I assumed he chose the latter. At the first hearing, my mum, me and my lawyer were present. It turned out to be another screaming contest in which he made up all kinds of lies about my mother. At some point, my lawyer leaned in to tell me that if the officer didn't stop his rantings, it's likely that they were buddies and asked me to let him handle things. The officer told us this case wasn't a priority. It would take months to process. We wouldn't like the paperwork. It's best to settle this out of court. But my lawyer politely declined and told my father to expect another hearing soon under much less friendly circumstances. He tried one more tactic in between, which was calling all the relatives and telling them how my mother was a female dog and how I was an ungrateful brat in hope of creating some kind of pressure on us. Very few of them took his side, and even if all of them did, I would have never let him go that easy. In the second hearing, he finally cracked and agreed to my terms, which were relinquishing any claim he might have with the house and divorcing my mum. Basically, the only person who now has any claims to the house, apart from me, is my mother. I agreed to let him keep living in it for the rest of his life, though, but not anyone else, aka his mistress, who he was basically living with. So then, now for the moment you've all been waiting for, the revenge. This is where my work really started. First, my sister gathered all the receipts from all the medical billings she has paid for his treatments. A few of them are missing, but we were able to put up a huge folder. I also pooped my pants learning how expensive cancer treatment could be. Not a fan. When we had a general sum of the money, we billed him for it. This is very unethical in my country since children are expected to take care of their parents. But we threw that out the window long ago. We also knew it was not a criminal case, so we just went to small court claims and then sent in bailiffs to collect, which was just this lady. She went in with an I don't give a frick attitude, and when he failed to comply, she sent in the thugs, I mean the police, to start seizing assets. So, say goodbye to wooden furniture, a 27-inch smart TV, a fridge, and a reclining massage chair. 
all were bought by my sister as well He had to pay out of his pocket because that lady insisted they continue seizing whatever he bought until she saw the money Although the final amount was halved my mother under the eyes of the law shared half of that for some reason It still cost him about 70% of his savings Of course, this was never about the money. We were just petty. We told the moving company they could do whatever they wanted with the furniture. Looking back, I should have taken the recliner because my back hurts like a mother effer, even though I'm only in my late 20s. After that was done, I contacted my local factory to file a report. Remember the sweet pension he got with the condition that he behaved accordingly? Clearly, someone had been a bad boy. Now, initially, they let him go with it, even though it was a small town and everyone knew everything, because nobody ever filed a report. But that's not the case anymore. I gave them a very detailed folder with pictures from his phone. To say they were sexual was an understatement. They immediately set up a hearing, and he was stripped of his rank, making his pension go down to just over half the original amounts. I know this because old folks gossip like their lives depend on it and my mother is not excluded She was very happy hearing all this and it's all she talked about for a month I was about to be done here But a week later my sister called to tell me that my aunt came to her door to berate her and her children My sister was working from home. My mum also lived there but had gone out for some reason My sister just called security to kick her out and she warned me that my aunt could go for me next I was seeing blood Not because of some lame butt Karen that could cause me inconveniences at most, but because she was screaming at my niece and nephew. As a gay man, I know full well the bloodline ends with me, so I put all of my love into those little guys, to the point that if I'd been there, I would have bitten her head off. So, I dug a little, and found out my aunt was knees deep in debt. She was hoping she could leech some money off my father, if not from the money he made selling the house, then from his big bank accounts. Since neither of those were available anymore, she was very angry and thought she could lay it on my sister. You want to know what a man could do with determination and raging hatred? I'd never set up an online social presence, mainly because up to my 18th birthday, I was too poor to have a phone. And then the military taught me it wasn't needed. But for this special occasion, I made an exception. I created a fake Facebook account and befriended her. I didn't even have to pretend to be anyone since old people apparently accept friend requests from anyone She had this vibe where she'd show off her money and her vacations and her items like a wealthy person But from my mother and her trusty gossip circle I knew that she always told whoever she owed money that she was struggling So I figured she must be blocking them. The next part was easy I just had to send all of her selfies to everyone she owes I didn't have to declare myself since I was literally on a throwaway account So it's just this really long line of messages that showed my aunt spending her money lavishly For the next month she was threatened not with legal actions like I did but with much more sinister actions She'd have thugs not the police throw gifts at her door gifts like paint fish sauce and sometimes literal poop My mother also told me this of course She finally figured out what I was going to do when I told her to find me a list of all the people that she owes. Now for the pro revenge. As much as I want to take credit for this, the idea wasn't mine. Forgive me for I once again have to lay a bit of background. My father's side of the family is this very traditional family where you would have a person acting as the head of the family, deciding on things that matter. This was way before the war, so obviously they don't do such things anymore. 
but the head of the family still has a certain voice and there's this once in a year ceremony where we gather together to pay tribute to our ancestors during the ceremony the head of the family will give a speech and then some announcements like who died who got married who gave birth etc etc then there'll be a celebratory party where we basically just get very very drunk my great-grandfather was the head he had three sons and two of them died during the war so my grandfather took the mantle then my father and eventually me this whole side of the family is in another town that's like three hours away from our town mainly because my grandfather didn't expect to be the head so he moved out seeking opportunities i found these gatherings rather redundant and unnecessary but that year i was actually looking forward to it my father tried to keep the actual date of it hidden it wasn't fixed but generally it was sometime in june but he seriously underestimated my mother she doesn't have one gossip circle she has an infinite number of them so my mother me and my sister's family all head back for it the trip was 14 hours in total but the result was worth it we timed it so we'd get there two days earlier than my father again thanks to her gossip circle this side of the family had never heard the full story before only the version that my father gave them which was that he and my mother had separated in good faith i actually give my father some credit for not badmouthing my mum. after weighing up all the pros and cons we decided to let my mother loose and she is exceptional when it comes to relaying details about her personal tragedies i kid you not if i posted her story word for word by this time next week there would be a global justice for op's mother movements it took just one day for everyone to know what a butthole my father had been the look on his face when he arrived with my aunt and my grandmother and saw my family already there was priceless he got the stink eye from everyone for the rest of the day nobody would initiate conversations with him so he just sat there like a sad little dog now i know what they say about dead horses but this idea was too brilliant not to follow through my uncle let's call him oliver came up with this in the hierarchy he is equal to my father and in the event that my branch doesn't have a male successor 100 what's going to happen his branch will be the head of the family he told me i should take up the mantle of the head it was very sudden i didn't have a speech ready my father was supposed to do that but oliver told me i could just tell whatever i want because nobody really paid attention to that thing anyway all the other elders were okay with it the speech wasn't even the best thing at the celebratory party people would be assigned tables based on the family tree heads of each branch would sit together their children sit together the elders sit together so on and so forth because i'd been elevated to the head of my branch i'd be sitting at the big boy table my father didn't even get to sit at my table because miraculously it was full even though i could have sworn there weren't 10 of us and each table can sit up to 20 he had to sit at the regular table with my aunt and a bunch of nasty widows who didn't hold back on their snarky comments so i was told i don't think he'll ever come back to one of those anytime soon the aftermath my father is now just a miserable old man his mistress left him because surprisingly she was after his money he's living in our old house now with next to nothing his retirement money though halved was good enough for him to live by last i heard his cancer has come back and obviously this time my sister won't be paying for it he tried to initiate contact with my mother trying to make amends but we blocked his number and profile on my mother's account because she actually did consider it she has her soft side my aunt had to sell her house to pay for all the debts or else they just continue harassing her she now lives in a small house she bought off with the rest of her money 
I felt bad for her husband because he's actually chilling quite nice, but he's not the most decisive and therefore doesn't really confront her. I hope he's doing better. I've got no empathy for her only son though. Let's just say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. How do I know all of this? My mother's gossip circle, of course. I left my grandmother out of all this because she's very old. She's not demented in any way, she's perfectly sane, but she loved her son too much to admit he's in the wrong. Also, she was very nice and sweet to me growing up. I've got a lot of good memories with her. I'm sad because she no longer sees my mother in the same way. I also stopped talking to her and would only visit her once during Lunar New Year. She's lived in the small house she and my grandfather built on the land that's now in my name. When she and my father are dead, I will carry out her wish to build an altar for her and my grandfather. Whether or not my father will be included is still up for debate. And there we go, guys. That concludes this epic tale of revenge. As I said, it's worth remembering that in Vietnam, infidelity is illegal. It's not just like cheating here or, you know, in America, wherever you guys are watching. It actually is illegal. So it's a crime. It's a lot more serious than it would be in other parts of the world, perhaps. That's why I guess this revenge became a little bit more nuclear than it may have been otherwise. But I mean, look, no one likes a cheater anyway. But yeah, in Vietnam especially, it's definitely not a good thing to do. It is pretty incredible, really, how, how one part of a family can just absolutely definitely estimate another part and it be so justified and so worthwhile there's something horrible about people just trying to you know live off others and skimp off them just take all their money like this aunt for example what a horrible person i'm sorry but acting as if you've got loads of money spending loads of stuff and then not even repaying your debts you're just a tragic person i'm sorry it's just true as for the dad as well a terrible person obviously uh, i mean no one likes a cheater at the best of times opie has actually said which is something that i think is very fair of them that if the dad had just been open and said look this is gonna happen i'm not feeling a certain way anymore just been completely you know good with it honest and acted in good faith then her and her sister and her mother etc would never have gone to these lengths but instead he tried to scream and punch his way out of it and uh yeah that didn't really work did it i mean one last thing that i think i would have done personally just to make it as nuclear as possible is to kick him out of the house give him nothing but you know maybe your mother wouldn't have wanted it you do seem like a genuinely kind person so maybe you thought that was a little bit too far just something that came to my mind comment down below would you have kicked the dad out entirely up to you lot you decide mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market I orchestrated a vast conspiracy to get a co-worker fired. I used to work at a hospital data center in the network operations group. We physically sat in a room 24-7 next to the servers to make sure things didn't catch on fire, monitor it for alerts, and did routine things like swap out tape backups. But it was pretty simple work. This was ostensibly a tech job, but there were people who had been there for many years back when you had to change out printer paper and run a command from an IBM mainframe. It was on really specialized hardware and software that was difficult to apply elsewhere, so it had become a dead-end job. And because there were people who weren't tech-savvy at all, really, we weren't given much responsibility. You can't tell some people they can log into a server and others not, so we were reduced to the lowest common denominator. We were a network operations center where nobody was allowed to interact with 
any network equipment. Lowest common denominator, you say? Meet my new supervisor, Karen. Not her real name, but definitely her real spirit. She'd been there for over 20 years and got the job solely based on seniority. She was a sociopathic narcissist and one of the most unpleasant people I've ever encountered. Shortly after I was hired, we were bought by another hospital and combined data centers. Karen was demoted to shift lead and had to work with us in the 24-7 rotation. She was very bad at her job and our responsibilities diminished to very little. We had no agency to fix any problems of our own because it had to be a problem that Karen could solve and Karen was both lazy and stupid. After a couple of years, I was promoted. On my first day after they announced my promotion, Karen said, you will fail, just straight to my face. But she had a powerful tool at her disposal. The hospital bureaucracy since the place was unionized the hospital had a just cause firing policy instead of an at-will policy even for non-unionized employees this i think generally a good thing but on the edges it set up ridiculous situations where it was impossible to lose your job unless you were really egregious about it with repeated violations or you just showed up drunk or high. Like we had someone steal computer equipment and they kept their job. It was nuts. And Karen had been there for nearly 30 years. So she wasn't getting fired without a lot of work. That's okay. She was terrible at her job. One of the most important things about the job was monitoring for an alert which would pop up. And there was a procedure we had to go through in order for some data to go through. If we didn't do this, then a nurse wouldn't get their lab results back. So in one case, an alert came in, Karen saw it, then decided to keep browsing the web. Because of this, a patient from the cardiac ICU was going into surgery and the doctors and nurses operating on that patient couldn't get a white blood cell count, I think. Look, I'm not a doctor. I just work in a building with a lot of them. Something very dangerous for this patient, though. And the patient actually died. But this still did not get Karen fired. The reasoning from HR? Well, it didn't directly lead to harm. She didn't even feel bad about it. Just a complete soulless sociopath. Now, I'm real pro worker in general, but some jobs you just absolutely have to do. I was so mad she had to go. I kept a paper trail of everything she messed up on. It wasn't nitpicky. Literal life and death stuff we're talking about here. Verbal warning, first written warning, second written warning, final written warning, termination. Yeah, a slog, and I'd rather spend my time doing anything else, but that's the way it went. Then Karen figured out she could work the system. As she approached work Armageddon, termination, she would tell HR she was being harassed. The person harassing her was different every time, which would trigger a mandatory investigation. These investigations took about six months, and of course, they wouldn't find anything, and we'd carry on. Except these warnings, they had a six-month expiration, so she could always reset the clock when it got close. Everyone was helpless. Even the CIO couldn't do anything about it because of the bureaucracy. Karen was a menace, and the entire IT department had to interact with the data center staff, And that meant interacting with her and she was universally disliked and she had 20 years until retirement and she'd outlast the heat death of the universe then i had an idea what if under the guise of developing skills relevant to the 21st century required everyone working in the network operations center to pass the net plus exam it's not a difficult exam but it's not trivially easy i felt pretty sure that everyone on the team fell above the line between able to pass and not able to pass except karen 
we'd give everyone better titles, a significant pay rise, and entrust them to do more with the equipment, which is something everyone desperately wanted. Then people could actually leave the hospital with transferable skills and do something else if they wanted and not feel trapped. I spent three years in meetings with HR, with my director, with the CIO, with HR again, job description meetings that took six hours to tweak small wording, hundreds of hours in meetings. Red tape heck, absolute red tape heck. Do you have any idea what it takes to approve a significant raise in a bureaucratic muck factory like that? But the raises were crucial because it would absolutely not be fair to arses of them otherwise. Pass a test or lose your job without a large carrot attached would lead to mutiny. And then it got approved. I also wrote the exam requirements into my own job description. It was important to still be able to do the job and not let my skills lapse just because I was promoted. Also, this meant I could cover for people when they were on vacation or sick. Plus, I also got that sweet, sweet pay bump. It went over well. I was nervous, but the plan made sense and I was able to communicate that. People would be more marketable. The job would be more interesting. And most importantly, they'd be making 20% more than they were before. And I think it really helped that I also gave myself the same requirements when I absolutely could have chosen not to. The hospital would pay for offsite training. They would still get paid their full hourly during the training, including shift differential for second and third shifts. We paid for all the materials. I scheduled eight hours a week for people to go someplace quiet and study. The job itself had a ton of downtime so people could study, but this was formally carved out time anyway. We pay for the exam, and if they failed, we'd pay for the second attempt. We were given eight months to pass the test. So this is how it was for the eight months. The whole point of this was I didn't want Karen to have any excuse whatsoever and somehow convince HR that this process was rushed or unfair. Everyone passed on the first attempt, except Karen. Karen didn't pass her second or her third attempt, a bonus attempt. Karen, being the classic narcissist, thought this was somehow all about her, that this was a vast conspiracy engineered over multiple years and hundreds of hours just to get rid of her. And she'd tell everyone with an earshot that's what was going on. Yeah, okay, Karen. You realize how insane that sounds, right? Not everything is about you. Sheesh. Well, okay, in this case it is, but still, only I and two other people know that. I remember the exact time and date we told her. She was in such deep denial that it could ever happen. She thought she was bulletproof. I don't think I'll ever achieve anything more satisfying in my career. I'm not usually one to take satisfaction in seeing someone's livelihood go, but she was uniquely awful. She was a patient danger, and it had been nearly a decade of working with her by this point. I was just so sick and tired of her BS. I was a hero the day after she was fired. I went to the main office for a meeting and people were congratulating me like I just had a kid or won a marathon or something. Even the CIO. They were just happy for me that I didn't have to supervise Karen anymore. But in my head canon, they were congratulating me for pulling off this elaborate plan. Morale back at the data center was also high. We learned interesting things. A couple of my co-workers left for better gigs elsewhere. The ones who were content staying were able to stay and we all had more money and job security. And because anything could set off a BS Karen harassment complaint, people were stressed out working with her. Her being gone now was like a breath of fresh air. Newcomers were told stories of Karen and they seemed exaggerated, but they were not. So in order to solve a very important and extremely difficult problem, I pulled off a vast workplace conspiracy that improved the lives of the people I work with in addition to keeping our patients safe. 
Getting this Karen fired is my greatest and most difficult accomplishment, and I can't even put it on a CV anywhere. So there we go. That is the end of that one. And all I'm left with is a sense of unfulfillment. I'll be completely honest. Listen, OP, you did what you could. And three years of going through all this BS just to get one person fired from their job is ultimate dedication. I have to give you that. But I can't get past the point that this woman inadvertently, or I guess maybe she knew, well, her actions led to a patient's death that was completely avoidable. Like, that's not enough just to get fired. I'm sorry. She needs more ramifications. Someone's died because of her actions like that's mental and again i admire op's patience i I love the plan to to have people pass this test and if you can't pass it then you're gone knowing that everyone with any sort of common sense would would pass it apart from this karen of course but yeah man do you know what i mean guys i just wanted more she killed someone yeah it wasn't directly and there's no way of proving it was definitely her fault but from what it sounds like she is the sole reason why somebody's dead and all that's happened to her she's lost her job I wanted more there. I really did. I'll be honest. Anyway, let's move on. I was told to do what I needed to do, so I did it. This is very recent. I was living in a very bad part of a major metropolitan city that has lots of bad parts. After I moved in, I started noticing a lot of things that were unsafe. Most of the things I brushed aside because they didn't necessarily affect me. Three things I complained about were the fact that the common areas and most of the bedrooms had no smoke detectors. Then, because I get home when it's very dark, I complained about the porch lights not working. I was promised over and over that this would be fixed, but it never was. I pressed harder and threatened to call the city. I also withheld my rent at this point. The landlord, a woman, told me, there's nothing wrong with the house. Do what you need to do. So I did. I called the city. An inspector came out and I showed him around the property. There were areas I couldn't give him access to, like the garage or the other tenants' rooms. He took lots of pictures and pointed out dozens of safety issues and building code violations. It turns out this slumlord, referring to the landlord here, converted a two-story house, four bed, two bath, into a three-story house with nine bedrooms and nine bathrooms with no permits from the city. The owner of the property had also had the home classified as an owner-occupied single-family home, although it clearly wasn't, as there was no owner-occupancy and there were 10 unrelated roommates. My landlord harassed me through the whole process. She took my parking spot away and pitted other roommates against me. To make matters worse, she told everyone I wasn't paying rent. So now I've got these idiots ganging up on me. It was so bad that I couldn't be in any of the common areas for even one minute without being harassed. I also got a bunch of notices accusing me of random things and an eviction notice because I wasn't paying rent. The report from the city came out and it had over a dozen violations, including some very serious ones. It was going to cost the owner tens of thousands of dollars to repair the house to get it up to standard. The house started to become safer. There were smoke detectors, railings for the stairs, working porch lights, a carbon monoxide alarm, and the owner was forced to put a railing on a balcony that didn't have one. Through all of this, the owner is making $10,000 per month in rent, charging for parking, and there's another large house on the property that he's renting. Plus, he's got multiple homes, with 90 tenants in total. He was making tons of money, but somehow the sentiment among some of the roommates was... How could you do this to this poor old man? My case went to court and I got more time to find legal help. By the time the second hearing came along, another notice had been given as they got access to the entire house. Plus, they were still in violation and had not cured all of the problems, so they got fined daily. 
With my court date a week away, the owner's attorney started to try and negotiate with me. In court, I'd asked for $16,000 and they knew I was going to get it because they were obviously going to lose. So I ended up settling for $7,000 and 30 days to move out, plus eight months of rent forgiveness. I guess I just did what I had to do. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised with this one. I thought the implications on the owner and the landlord would have been far greater than just $7,000. I know it's a lot of money and eight months of rent relief is also a lot of money. What's that? $8,000 as well. So they've lost probably what? 15K flat and then some other fines. But I feel like it should have been way more. They were breaking the law here. $15,000 and a little bit more surely isn't enough to cover that, is it? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It just seems extremely lenient. They had 10 people in a house when they said the owner was living like you... you that's fraud. You can't do that. I'm pretty sure if you did that in my country, and I do mean this, you'd be going to prison because that is fraudulent. I don't see a way in which you could get away with that. Comment down below. What are the normal rules in America? I want to know. I guess the overarching point is why do landlords have to be like this? Why are there so many landlords? Like, I swear it's a, a normal common thing with landlords to just be terrible. It's easy to be a nice landlord, isn't it? Do the jobs that you have to do when the house is falling apart. Get paid rent and then just sit back and relax. Is it not as simple as that? You're earning good money. This guy's got 90 tenants. I mean, think of the turnover. It's ridiculous. Fair play to him building a nice business, but don't exploit people like this. Don't make them live in terrible conditions and don't break the law, you mug. Students said some misogynistic and abusive things. So I took screenshots and sent them to all of his followers. This happened around two years ago on Instagram. At the time, there was a viral video going around of some guy repeatedly punching a stray dog while laughing out loud. Now, someone random posted the video and in the comments, most people were saying that the guy should be arrested. But this student was defending the dude, basically arguing, why would you ruin a young man's life for the sake of some worthless stray dog? I had an argument with him in the comments for like 15 to 20 minutes until I gave up. Then he started sending me direct messages saying stuff like, people like you are the reason that these parasites, stray dogs and cats, exist in our cities because you provide them with food and water. I said, so what are you going to do about it? And he kind of went berserk, saying he'd beat me up and do stuff to me if he sees me just a bunch of very violent but childish comments. So I went to his page. He had like 100 followers and he was apparently a university student. I took some screenshots of what he'd sent to me. Believe me, a lot of really violent and abusive stuff with details and I started sending them to his followers with an explanation. Instagram wouldn't let me send so many DMs in a short time, so I got my friends to help me. Some people wrote back to us, most of them girls, saying that they were extremely disappointed in him. A few days later, he messaged me and said, thank you for ruining my social life. His account was gone after that. OP, I love you for doing this. I rate it so highly. Too much of the time, people think that because you're online and you're somewhat anonymous, you can get away with saying disgusting things that you would never even dream of saying in real life to that person's face. But because of people like you, OP, people are starting to realize that you cannot just get away with being abusive and downright horrible online. Look, we saw it at the Euros. If you remember back to summer, people were sending the England football players, if you didn't know this, horrible, racist, abusive stuff after we lost the final. Now, I think back in the day, that wouldn't have gone reported. But now, thankfully, people are more aware 
everywhere and people are reporting this sort of stuff and now you can't get away with saying this it needs people like uop to keep reporting keep outing these people keep embarrassing them to make people realize that you can't just say whatever comes to your mind online good stuff I love it. And as for this guy saying, oh, you ruined my social life. No, you ruined your social life by being misogynistic and abusive. Sorry, pal. Don't want to work on our assignments? Fine, neither do I. This happened a few years ago in college. I had a class about entrepreneur projects and that semester was building a business on paper. Basically, we had to figure out what the business would be about, how it would work and how much money it would need and make. I did this subject in a different class so that I could have Fridays free. So I didn't know anyone in there except for one guy. Let's call him Mark. I teamed up with Mark and three other people to be our group. At first, things were working like a charm since we only cared about passing the subject. We didn't really care about our grades. So we'd each do a part on an assignment. We had to deliver assignments each Wednesday, but we still got max scores on them. Our grade would basically be based upon all of our deliveries and some points on individual tests. Important info for later. It didn't take much time for things to go downhill though. It reached a point on the project that basically we couldn't modulate the work anymore. The five of us would need to sit together and brainstorm about the next steps. More specifically, when we reached the point of how we'd earn money with our business. Either that or one person would do everything alone. My group chose the second option. And this is what basically happened for six weeks. On Friday, I'd send a message on our WhatsApp group. Like, guys, we've got to deliver this stuff on Wednesday. When do you want to meet? Saturday, no responses. Sunday, the two checks would turn blue, meaning everyone's read the message, but still no response. Monday, I sent a follow-up message, no response. Tuesday, I would work my butt off and deliver it alone. Wednesday, two hours before the deadline, somebody, usually Mark, would send a message, hey, how do you guys want to do it? Which I'd answer, it's already done, and they would thank me and promise to release me from doing anything on the next assignment which wouldn't happen and the cycle would continue. After five weeks, I was fed up and got in contact with the teacher. Her response was that it was too late to do anything now because she couldn't assign me to another group and she couldn't give me special treatments. But she told me to check my grades because most likely I'd already passed the subject. I looked at it and with my individual tests and what I'd already delivered on the project, I got a grade high enough to barely pass the entire subject. Now this was kind of effed up, But all the individual test grades and projects as well for everyone in my class were public So I could see that nobody in my group had passed the closest was mark But he didn't deliver one of the individual tests So he'd still need to do something to pass I could then and there be the bigger person and say something like guys look I've already passed the subject start doing something or i'm not doing anything anymore but I can be petty sometimes. On the sixth week, I didn't do anything. Wednesday arrived and Mark tagged me in the group, asking if I'd done anything. I remained silent. Panic started arising. Group members texted me in private. I removed the blue scene icon in my WhatsApp and would read the messages in airplane mode so they wouldn't see me online when reading, except for the group messages because they would see that I read them regardless of leaving that setting on or off, so I didn't read them. Apparently, when you don't do anything related to the project in five weeks, it's hard to figure out what to do next. Deadline passes. I go to sleep. The class was at nights, at distance because of COVID. I wake up the next day, I have several name callings, assignment was not delivered, and the group was threatening to report me to the teacher. My answer was very simple. 
the teacher is already aware. I'm not doing anyone's work other than mine. You can all go to hell. And I left the group. At the end of the semester, only Mark and I passed. Now they got their poop together in the end, but not enough for the other deadweights to pass. That was the sweetest grade six. Grades here go from zero to 10. Six is the bare minimum to pass that I ever got. Now, Mark never talked to me again, but it was for the best. Oh, wow. Uh, This is probably one of the most relatable revenge stories that I've read. I I don't know, I'll be honest, where I lie. Am I more like OP? Am I more like Mark in terms of the work that I did when I was at school and uni? I definitely got better as I went along and got up to higher education. But let me know. If you're watching on YouTube, comment down below. Where do you fall? Are you the sort of person that just ends up doing all the work and, you know, other group members don't? Or are you like Mark and you just would rather someone else do it? I'll be honest. I'm not sure where I lie. I'll leave that one to my teachers. Now, it doesn't take away from the fact that doing what Mark and the other group members did is terrible. And it's amazing, OP, that you've been able to do this and just absolutely mug them off they had no idea the panic that must have been going through their veins on that wednesday morning oh horrible I-, I hate to even think about it but hey fail to prepare prepare to fail that's what i've always said and uh big mark he just about got away with it the others though nah and they didn't deserve to by the way they didn't deserve to hanging off the coattails of uop using your good work it's not enough to get to get a good grade i'm sorry it's just not can i just say shout out to the teacher because yes the teacher said it's too late to do anything serious about it or change group but they did let you know that you could do something sneaky here if you wanted to you've already passed that was enough for you to check it yourself and realize oh snap here we go time for some good revenge and i love it i partnered with a racist i'd recently partnered with a small production facility in my area Our contract was based on capital investment along with designing and implementing new automation processes. Two-year outlook finished in just eight months. It was a typical small production facility comprised of 50 production workers through two shifts of 12 hours that ran two days on, then three days off. It also had two production supervisors for each shift and one maintenance supervisor for each shift. The people and their attitude is ultimately what led to my decision to be more than an outside contractor for this company until I worked the night shift for a week due to shutdowns that needed to occur to implement certain line upgrades this is where i met him we will call him richard head richard seemed like a nice guy in our first few encounters and then i heard him in his element directing his maintenance crew at night over the radio he would belittle this group of guys who were just there to do a set task list every night for whatever machinery they were doing preventative maintenance on. Unless something broke on the line, which would require attention first, obviously. I have never heard grown men spoken to like this and never heard any nasty remarks back or defending of themselves. He would call them stupid on the radio if they were having trouble troubleshooting a problem, call some fat and lazy, and he called one black guy the N-word. The guy had been there since they opened the doors. And to be honest, he made me want to rescind any commitment I've ever made to this company. When I escalated this up to the plant manager, he assured me that it was friendly banter and they rarely had complaints against him. True, because anyone who ever did so in confidence of anonymity was always outed and then singled out until they were terminated by him. Racism being friendly banter, guys. I've heard it all. Since no one was going to listen to me, I decided to do my due diligence and started to document everything I heard on the radio with a date, time, witnesses to the treatments, and what rights the individual was having violated due to our state and federal outlines. I made this spreadsheet my entire time in the shift, documenting every personal account I witnessed as well. Harassment is a major problem with industry work, but the one that I've learned is the company killer is retaliation. 
if you can prove that, then they stand no chance. I saw Richard Head one night tearing down this 50-year-old man who requested two days off. To the point I wanted to lose my cool, but I knew that it would ruin all the information I was gathering. The days off, by the way, were because his nephew was just in a car accident two days prior and had to have multiple reconstructive surgeries scheduled. So I knew that now was the time to move on everything. I rounded up all the maintenance guys and shared all my documentation with them, but they didn't realize the importance of this information like I did. They just said that nothing will change but nothing changed because nobody treats an issue as an issue if you come with incorrect, non-detailed information. The fact that Richard had used the radio so much was a godsend that they didn't see as well. When he spoke this way to people, he must not have ever realized that there are other supervisors on shift and that they, in fact, unintentionally became the strongest witness in the cases especially when you have some audio recordings verifying the accounts. They have no choice but to acknowledge what they've heard. Each worker took their logs, and even though I have a capital time investment in this facility, I urged them at a minimum to petition to have this man removed or to threaten legal action. So what I'm getting from this is that even though OP is newly partnered with this company, he still selflessly, in part, wants to take them down. Anyway, once they coordinated a day to expose all of this, It was like watching a sports movie when the underdogs take the championship and get the girl at the same time. Not only did the man finally get fired, but the entire atmosphere around the place changed more than I could imagine. Older machines ran the best they've ever ran in my time there, and people loved coming to work again. They also put a placard on my door for when I came in about a week later. It said number one boss, but the boss was crossed out and hand engraved under it was the word badass. I obviously removed it from my door, but I put it in my home office and it's probably the best thing I've ever received from a facility. You know what, OP? I actually really rate your selflessness here because the fact that you've just partnered with this company would suggest to me that you don't want to disrupt too much. You want to keep it going. You've obviously seen enough to partner with it in the first place that you like. However, a little setback in the short term, having to do all this stuff, get somebody fired, you know, it's not good for the company. You lose money doing that. It's clearly beneficial in the long term. I like that you did that because, look, there's no room for racism and just abuse, is there, at any company. And you can tell the positive effect that it immediately had afterwards. So, uh, yeah, clearly a good decision. And I love that even though you probably were like, ah, oh, have I made a mistake here partnering with this company if they employ people like this? You're like, no, we can get through this. Get this geezer gone. We'll be back to our best. And clearly that's what happened. Good stuff. And again, friendly banter being racism. Like I know I said it whilst I was reading, but what? Are you six years old? That's a joke. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 